Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this time. We thank you that we can come together as one in Christ. We thank you that we can look forward to just gleaning from your word. Lord, I pray that you would help us this morning. Help me to um, just be a vessel for you, Lord, that you would empty me of me and all the things that um, I add to um, with opinion or whatnot. Lord, I pray that your truth would prevail and that your truth would be what stands out to each of us. And I pray that you would just minister to each of our hearts this morning, Father, as you just do so much through your word. We know that your word is living, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Pierces through to bone and marrow. Father, I pray that you'd help us to really um, just be excited to get into your word every day and that you'd help us to be excited about the study this morning and that you just help, help us to hear from you. And as I teach this morning, I pray that you administer to each of the hearts exactly where, they're, where these ladies are at. Father, we, your word tells us that we don't even know what's in our own heart, that our heart can, be, uh, can deceive us, and it is desperately wicked, and only you know it. And I pray that you would be the one that reaches inside each of our hearts and, and heals us, makes us look more like you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, this book, Small But Mighty for sure. <laughs> um, so in chapter one of Ruth, we saw the trip to Moab where the uh, uh, Elimelech, his wife, uh, Naomi, and their, um, their sons travel because of the famine. So they get there. And God never told them to go, but they went. Um, we sometimes make decisions like that and we don't need to, but we, we, are, we do it out of fear or desperation or um, sometimes we don't hear uh, the answer we want to hear, or God's quiet and still, and we just make decisions. So I, we've all been there, so no fault to Elimelech. We'll see him in heaven and be excited to uh, <laughs> to meet a fellow brother. So um, we see that they go to the land of Moab, and so that was that was there. And then while they're there, we see the tragedy of uh, Elimelech dies, and then uh, Milan and, and Killian, the sons, marry and then they die. And so now um, the, Naomi returns with Ruth, Ruth being a woman that says, I love the part uh, where she says, your people shall be my people and your God my God. So she returns wanting to move forward. Um, so we saw that in chapter one. Chapter two, we see uh, the beauty of um, Ruth just happened to come into the field of Boaz. I just love that because we can all do that in our life. Like, I didn't know that was going to happen, but God does. So that's the, the awesome thing is Ruth meets Boaz, um, and he hears of all that she's done for Naomi, and he's just in awe of this girl. So we know that he's an older man, and she's a young woman, um, and he's wealthy, and she's a Moabitess from a foreign land, which is enemies with the Israelites, but he doesn't see that. He sees the inner, the inner girl, the inner heart. Um, chapter three, we saw Ruth's redemption um, is assured, and Ruth obeys the the counsel of her mother-in-law to go, um, and in a sense, propose to this cool guy. This, I I just can't wait to meet Boaz. <laughs> I think he's such a great uh, picture, a, a typology of Jesus. He just is a gentleman, he's loving, he's kind, he's, he has wealth, but it's not, he doesn't use that wealth to get his way. And so 
Um, so she obeys under pressure and fear. She does a thing that most of us have never done or never will have to do. Praise the Lord. And, but she does it and just uh, the sweetness of the reward that comes from it. And then in chapter 4, we see the beginning half. We saw where Boaz redeems Ruth. And again, we can see, we can parallel that as, as Jesus, our Redeemer. He loves us so much, and he wants that with us, but he doesn't force himself on us. We can choose. Um, and Boaz goes about it with the other close uh, kin uh, with a very well-thought-out plan. He didn't just act hastily. Um, he just he thinks about it before he does it. Um, lessons for us to learn of, like, think and pray before we act and do things. Um, and so, and then we see um, in that beginning part that Boaz publicly says that Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Milan, um, that he's acquired as his wife. He notices all those things, but he doesn't, um, he's not bound by that. He's not looking at all of that and saying, oh, I can't redeem her. She's, she's not one of us. He accepts her. And so through that, we see the blessings from the others, the people at the gate, the elders, um, all these witnesses pour out these blessings and tell them that the Lord make the woman who is coming to your house, like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the house of Israel, and may you prosper and eat in Ephrathah, <laughs> and be famous in Bethlehem. So they're, they don't realize that they're blessing this and it's going to happen, which is cool. I think about that with our words. Our words are important. They can hurt, they can destroy, or they can build up. They can bless. And so here they are saying something that is truly going to happen. So um, then verse 12, May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring which the Lord will bring you from this young woman. So they are just excited. They're just pouring out a blessing. Um, so let's get into chapter 4, verse 13. I'm going to read through the end, and we'll come back and look at it. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. So we see a marriage here. God institutes marriage. We know marriage is only one man or one woman. There is, he never said that the one man with five wives, that was not his, his plan. The two shall become one flesh. So this beautiful thing, God is blessing them. Um, Boaz is a redeemer. And so here, um, God blesses the marriage with a child. Some, we know that our culture does not look at children as blessings. They don't look at that. They, they throw away children, basically, because they're not viable. They're cells. They have all these things. But we know that's not true. Um, Psalm 127.3 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. He goes on to say that children are like arrows. Um, and it's just so, God is the one that opens the womb. So no child, no life is ever not important. Um, he's the one that gives life and sustains life. So we just see that that sweet thing. And I, I know um, Belinda taught on it last week. And we see where Kelly, I just thought it was funny because she says, okay, a man wrote this, obviously, because he <laughs> chunked everything into one sentence. And we're like, we want to glean in. Like, they got married. Oh, my gosh. We, 
I want to go to the party. And, you know, and then, um, and then the Lord gave them a son. We should throw him a baby shower. I mean, there's all these. And they just like, boom, there it is. Okay, one sentence, it's fulfilled. Um, <laughs> where we like detail. We like the, the beauty of it. We want to celebrate together. Um, but it's so good. There's so much in that verse that's just so, <laughs> so beautiful. Um, but it's a reward in a sense is God was rewarding both of them for just doing, um, doing the godly thing. So verse 14 um, then the women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative and may his name be famous in Israel and may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age and your daughter-in-law for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons has borne him. Then Naomi took the child, laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. Also, the neighbor women gave him a name saying, there is a son born to Naomi. They called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now this is the genealogy of Perez. Perez begot Hezron. Hezron begot Ram. And Ram begot Amenadab. Amenadab begot Nashan. And Nashan begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz. And Boaz begot Obed. Obed begot Jesse. And Jesse begot David. So in the verses... And 14, we see these beautiful women who we all have lovely women in our lives. Some, some are a little bit more involved than others. Um, but I just saw these women as just, they're probably the same women that we read about in chapter one, where they are like, oh my gosh, look, Naomi's come back. These are the neighbors. These are family. These are friends. These are just these women. They, they don't, we don't know their names. We don't know how they're related, but they come back. And here they're blessing, they're at the birth, and they're blessing, um, they're pointing Naomi, as we all should, to the Lord. That the Lord is the one that opened her womb, that the Lord has blessed uh, Naomi with a, with a grandson. And so these same women come back, and they are a part, they want to see, they want to rejoice with, with their very dear friend. And some might look at that and go, well, why are they blessing Naomi? What about Ruth? Like, she had the baby. <laughs> she went through the, the pregnancy and gave birth and whatnot. But they're looking at Naomi, who was a woman of such sorrow and such bitterness. And she had such loss. In her words, she said, uh, when these women approached her, uh, when she came back to Bethlehem, and they said, look, Naomi has returned, she said to them, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. So these women were just reminding her of the Lord, that he had not forsaken her, and that he was taking care of her needs. So they're bestowing blessings on her. Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a close relative, and may his name be famous in Israel. They're recognizing that the Lord is the one that set all this up, that he didn't leave her, nor us. This, This is just for us, too, that God doesn't forsake us. If we're his, he will never leave us nor forsake us. We may wonder what is going on, when's the next check coming, or what you know, whatever battle you're going through, God has not left you nor forsaken you. He's with you, and he will bring what it needs what needs to happen. And for her, this is a close relative. And so he's he's directing her to that. And then the blessing in it too, that his name be famous in Israel. So 
This is written, this book is written, they think, by Samuel, and it's written after David obviously was born because David's written in the book. But they had no idea what was happening. These women had no idea, nor did Ruth, nor Boaz, or Naomi, or all these people in this book had no idea that their story would be written down for all to read. So I just think we, as women, too, need to be careful to point our sisters to Christ. It's okay if women are going through bitterness. I I went through a season of bitterness, of just frustrated, of feeling like the Lord had... I knew he didn't forsake me. I know his word, and that's what I have to cling to when I'm in those moments. But feeling bitter of why? Why so much? Like, did I do something wrong? Is it, am I in sin? And I knew it wasn't a sin, but it was like, why am I battling with this? Why, why are all these things happening to me? Where my sisters come alongside of me and pray for me and encourage me and point me back to the Lord. And so these ladies are doing just that. And so it's beautiful here too. Ruth, um, we see in 15, now, and may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has borne you. Naomi, in her bitterness, all she saw was her loss of her sons and her husband. And that's a, that is a great loss. I, I haven't lost a husband or sons. I lost a baby in my womb. Um, so I experienced that loss. But I've never lost a husband or sons. And I can't, so I can't, ex- I can't, I'm not in her shoes. And I've never walked in those shoes. But um, these ladies are, again, pointing to her that this beautiful woman, this daughter-in-law of hers, loves her. And there's, she's not left without family. She's not left without a kinsman redeemer. God is good. God is faithful. And so the ladies, too, I, I thought of uh, James 1.17, where it says, Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. That's James 1.17. So they're pointing her back. They're reminding her where the goodness comes from. We know every single gift, and that's children. <laughs> Sometimes we're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> there's so many, and they're all calling me mom, and I don't know what to do in this moment, but they're all a blessing all the time. <laughs> and so um, pointing her back to who gives the blessing and where they come from. So we can do that with our girlfriends. We can encourage them and come alongside them and point them back. And here reminding her that Ruth is better, is is better. Not that her sons weren't important, but this woman who wasn't even bone of her bone in a sense or flesh of her flesh or um, had that blood relationship, but she is so close to her and she loves her so much. So um, Colossians 3.16 tells us, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. We should be doing this together. Like when we meet here and we worship together and we, we sing praises and um, spiritual songs to the Lord, but we can do it wherever. We can do it at home. We can do it on the phone with our girlfriend through a text message, pointing them back and blessing them, bestowing blessings over them and their family. Verse 16. This was such, um, again, one of those, it's a short verse, one sentence, a lot in there. And when we look at it, we just go, wait, did she, was she a, a wet nurse? Did she nurse him? That's not what that's saying. So um, let's read it. Naomi, then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. 
what this is um, saying here is Naomi, when we look at the words, the symbolism of them, bosom um, is the chest. And so it's not that he was placed on her chest and she nursed him, but she, she was placed, she, she laid him on her chest. She was accepting him, fully accepting. So when we see that word bosom in the Bible, it's a closeness and intimacy and acceptance. So Ruth has a child with Boaz, and this, this is the kinsman redeemer. But Ruth, or Naomi, this isn't her son's child, literally, you know, by blood. But she fully accepts him. And we can do that with one another, with um, whether you have a stepchild or you have a child that you're adopting or fostering, you can accept that child fully, knowing it doesn't matter that it's not of your blood. And so in that sense, um, the beauty of that is I saw that Naomi fully accepted this child. And not only did he did she accept him, but there was such joy in receiving this child. She had family again. She had the closest, Boaz is a close relative of her husband, and so there is her family again, reunited in a sense, blessed. Um, we can look back at Job when Job lost all his family and all his, his, well, he didn't lose his wife, but he lost all his sons and daughters. And when the Lord um, blessed him again, he gave, in a sense, those people, those children didn't come back, but he blessed him again with more. And so God's good. It's hard for us to understand why we have to go through these things and why did Ruth or Naomi have to go through so much. But God restored her. He blessed her. He gave her back more. And this child, we see, is her grandson. So she lays him on her bosom, fully accepting him. And it says, and she became a nurse to him. So the word nurse here, it means to, in a sense, to... Um, to foster him, to support him, to confirm him, to be faithful, uphold him, nourish him. So it's like if we had a nanny or whatnot, that's kind of like what we would look at nowadays of accepting. But Ruth, Ruth is selfless here again. Her, her character still continues. And so she is allowing Naomi to help raise this child. And I know some of us in here, we have um, mother-in-laws that maybe we're not so close with or I don't know. I don't know your stories. But um, just being able to allow your family more in your life. Of course, if it's if there's a safety issue, if there's, I believe in healthy boundaries, believe me. Been there, done that. But, um, but being able to allow your family into your life with your children because we don't know what, what that could do in their lives. And so this, this little child, Naomi fully accepts, and she takes on a role of helping to raise this little guy into a man, because we know he doesn't stay little forever, like none of our babies. <laughs> um, before you know it, they're 20 years old and going to get married like mine. So, um, But just the sweetness of the, the relationship between Ruth and Naomi, to be able to have that friendship, that love, that family, and then the blessing that Ruth gives Naomi with her being able to, to have um, a part in his life. So who, question I had for all of us, who in our lives can we help by showing selfless acts? Not selfish acts, but selfless acts. How can we bless them? Who? Like consider, I'm sure there's people going on in your mind right now, but who can you do that? And I'm not saying you give your child away to somebody, but we see also Hannah. Hannah dedicated her 
her son, Samuel, to the Lord. And what, a, what an awesome guy. I mean, Samuel turned out to be such an amazing minister for the Lord. And she prayed for him, God blessed her, and then she gave him back when she was done weaning him. And so that's a short time in her life, but she was willing to be selfless and give him over to the Lord. And so that's for us, too, is freely give up our children. Whether they're grown, it doesn't matter if they're, they're little babies or they're grown, but give them over to the Lord in a sense of fully surrendering that the Lord loves them even more than we will ever know. So that's something I've, I have six children and uh, some have, I have one with special needs, high, fun, high functioning autism, but he was, he went through so many health issues. We never knew if he was going to come or go or what was happening and, and it was scary. And I had the older three to look at and they were very healthy, um, but just constantly trying to keep Isaiah alive. And, and sometimes it was self-inflicted because he was a wild baby. He was... <laughs> I don't know if I don't think any of you in, in, in here knew when he was little, but he was wild child and he would eat anything. He ate a book one time. He ate the corner of a full-on book. He <laughs> just crazy stories with Isaiah. He um, took wood out of the fireplace. It was cold, but he ate it. He would put his hand in mud, like painting mud for the wall, and he'd eat it. Um, he came down the stairs with a bunch of knives in his hand one time. I mean, just to keep this little guy alive was a lot. And I had to just surrender him over to the Lord. There were times where I was like, why, Lord? Why? Make him better. Make him make him whole. And there was times I was, he was you know, sick or whatnot, and I just asked for the Lord's healing. And there was even times I said, then, Lord, then take him if he's not going to be well. I don't want my child to suffer. I don't want my child to go through life struggling. And I, as a mom, had the hardest time. Two years old, when he was two years old, I took him to the doctors, and I didn't know yet it was autism, but I took him in and I said, you have to help me. I will end up in Patton. I'm going crazy. Literally, this is my words, and I'm thinking, she might take him right now. But I was like, I can't do this. My son is like, he's sick all the time, but then there's something wrong. This kid will not sit still. And it wasn't like ADD or ADHD. It was beyond. And I had my older three to look at, you know, and go, okay, this... They're all different, but he's like, he's, he's not even the same page. He's way over there. And praise report in that is the Lord did such a work that my son, most people would not even know he has autism unless they've heard my story. And there's, you know, he he's just awesome. I say autism is a gift because he just thinks so simply. And he just, he can be a little bit awkward socially he's in the other room. But... You know, he's just funny. He just says the funniest things, too, where he'll say, uh, oh, gosh, oh, no, oh, my thoughts. I shouldn't be thinking those things out loud. And we're like, Isaiah, <laughs> okay, we got to talk about this. I don't really want to know all your thoughts, but give them to the Lord. Like, a lot of ways to minister to him. But, again, back to that is is me having to surrender him over to the Lord and really giving it over and asking the Lord to give me a heart to love him, to help him, to grow him, to train him. And and that guy, he's 14, and he loves the Lord, and he has such a compassionate heart for the Lord. Makes me cry because he's such a sweet boy. He's so tenderhearted, which on that sense he's so sensitive too. Like you can really hurt him easily um, with words, but he's just so, so sweet. And so I had to give my, my son over to the Lord and just fully surrender. And that goes for all my kids because they're all different. So... They all have um, strengths and weaknesses just like us. 
So, um, but I know that you won't regret, we won't regret when we do give our children over to the Lord and just surrender them because he loves them even more. And that's how I can sleep at night, knowing when my children are driving. I have two that drive. Oh, <laughs> gray hairs. Um, I can give them over to the Lord because he loves them. His plan is way better than my plan. I don't even know. I don't even have a plan. I mean, I think I do, and then it changes the next day. So he knows way better. And so Ruth and Naomi, this relationship, this grandchild, this grandson is going to be fully loved by his grandma, Naomi. And so her her sorrow turns to joy. And just like we sang this morning, um, mercy comes in the morning. There may be pain in the night, but mercy, um, joy comes in the morning. And his mercies are new every morning. So... And it may, this was not one morning from the time that she lost everybody to, to having a grandson, a, a kinsman redeemer, um, in Boaz, but it was a while, but her hope was restored. So, there's, there's beautiful lessons in there for us too. Verse 17. Also the neighbor women gave him a name. These lovely ladies. <laughs> I just, I keep laughing every time I look at these ladies. Um, cause they're back in the picture again. Also, the neighbor women gave him a name saying, there is a son born to Naomi and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. So Obed in Hebrew is Obed and it means serving. And we see these women name him. But again, it's like, I believe this is all directed from the Lord. The Lord's provident here. We see his guiding and what a name serving he's serving his grandma and um like she it said that he would be a nourisher of her old age we don't know how old she was but he is serving her and maybe taking care of her in her older age because she's a widow she doesn't have anyone to take care of her again god's providence his protection his provision is right here and he uses this um this man obed so Obed, we don't know much about him other than here, and he's um, put in the genealogy in the different areas of the Bible. But uh, we see that he, he brings forth Jesse. Jesse uh, is the father of King David. And so um, he plays such a, piv- a pivotal role. And again, he had no idea. They had no idea. None of these people knew. We get to read it. And that's what I love. It's like we get to read the end of the story. We know what happens. They had no idea. They were just um, just doing what they knew best to do and following the Lord. So Obed brings forth Jesse. Jesse brought forth King David, um, which are very important characters leading up to the birth of Christ. That's why these things are so important in here. So I love the genealogy. We all have genealogy stories, I'm sure, with our families, those that we're like, I'm... I don't want to be related to them. And then over here, like, oh, yeah, I'll boast about that because, you know, they were kind of cool in history. Um, I don't know, have you guys ever studied your genealogy, your family line? Yes. Just Julie. <laughs> I did it. And then I had my kids do it with homeschooling. Um, so on my father's side, there's there's areas where I'm like, oh, I don't want to look. Those, there's just crazy stories in there. And I'm like, oh. And it's sad. It's very, they're all Mormon. And they all were, they were close with um, Brigham Young. So there's even a story in there, which he's famous. But I'm like, I don't, not that I, you know, 
just kind of a, um, a deception there. So, yeah. Um, but then on my mom's side, uh, we're related to George Washington. He's my first cousin nine times removed. And I'm like, yes, cool, okay. <laughs> but again, they're all human. They're men. They're not Jesus. They're just human like us. So we have a legacy. That was the title of my message. I never gave it. But leaving a legacy because we all are leaving some type of legacy, right? And so um, our story's not ended. Neither was their stories we get to read about forever. Um, <laughs> so uh, verse 18. Now this is the genealogy of Perez. Perez begot Hezron. Uh, we see um, Perez last week. Belinda touched on that, where Perez, um, it's talked about that the house would be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore. So we know Judah and Tamar, we know that story. If you guys don't know that story, you can read it in Genesis 38, um, 6 through 29. But Tamar prostituted herself to gain the son that she didn't get, in a sense, because her, his sons had died. And then the last son, he was like, um, why don't you go back to your family and then uh, come back when the son's older and you can have him? But Judah held on to him. He was like, no, because... All these men keep dying in her, in her uh, path. And so, not, you know, but Judah was wrong in that. Judah should not have done that. And so she prostitutes herself um, and is with Judah. She conceives a son. And Judah, he's upset about this, but then he realizes what she's done. And his words, I'm quoting him here, is she's, she has been more righteous than I because I did not give her Sheila, my son. So... In the path, in the genealogy of Jesus, we see these aren't perfect people. These are people that have made some crazy choices, um, good, bad, and ugly. Um, and so that's, that's one, is Perez, and then we have, and that, that's from uh, Judah and Tamar. Um, and then Perez in 18, Perez begot Hezron. Um, don't hear too much about Hezron. Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Aminadab. Love that name, Aminadab. <laughs> totally name something that. But um, he's the father-in-law of Aaron. So Aaron, in Exodus chapter 6, uh, you, you can read all about Aaron, but Aaron marries um, this, his, the fa- well, Aminadab is the father-in-law of Aaron. So that's kind of cool. And these are before we get to Boaz. Uh, verse 20, Aminadab begot uh, Nashon, Nashon begot Salmon. So Nashon was a leader of the tribe of Judah during the wilderness wanderings, and that's in Numbers 2, 3. And then Salmon is the father of Boaz. So we see here, we get to Boaz. Um, there was something I'd read. Um, let's see. We can see, we can follow all this through the, Jesus' genealogy because Jesus came through this line. And we can read about um, Jesus' genealogy in Matthew 1, verses 1 through 17, if you guys want to write it down. And it's also written through Luke chapter 3. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn to Matthew chapter 1. Um, because it says in verse 5 of chapter 1 that Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. And I don't know if you guys remember Rahab, but 
that's a fun um, that's a fun story there because Rahab was the woman who hid the spies, and she was a harlot. So not that you know not we're not condoning those things because we know those things are sin, um, you know. But God used it. This woman was you know willing to risk her life to say to um, to hide the spies, and so. Uh, and then we get to verse 22. So Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David. So King David was, we know, he's an earthly king, but he was placed there by God because all authority is placed by God. God placed um, King David there, and God said to, made a covenant with um, David in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Um, let me get there. Second uh, Samuel chapter seven verses twelve and thirteen. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He will build a house for me, for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you, and your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall never shall be established forever. God was making a covenant with David. And it wasn't because David was perfect. David, we know that um, he was considered a man after God's own heart. He had a heart for the Lord. He loved the Lord, and he sinned. We sin. We fall short. All man has fallen short of the glory of God. That's why we need forgiveness through grace. So, um, but the beauty of that, back to that, is that we see that God was using this lineage and he was going to, he promised David that his kingdom would never end, right? That the, the throne would never, never go away. So, um, he was establishing his kingdom forever, the eternal kingdom. And so, um, that was, he's an earthly king, King David, but we have a high king. So, um, through this, through the end of Ruth and, and all of Ruth, the whole book, we see, just like we saw with Esther, God's providence. He's in control from the beginning to the end. Our stories are not done. They're still being written out. And I hope that we leave a, a wonderful legacy. I know we all want to, as a child, I wanted to be famous for something. I don't know, for good, but I wanted to be famous, and I wanted to write a book, and I wanted like these these things because I didn't want my name to perish. I wanted to, to continue, but our names, if we have the Lord, are written in the book of life. And um, like I said, our, our legacies will be left behind to our children and our children's children and, and on and on. And so this with this, we can see, um, too, like we like it says in Romans eight twenty eight, that God works all things together for good to those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. This is what He did with Ruth and Naomi. So following the Lord, He will work all those ugly things out, things that are painful, things that aren't so so great to us. He's going to use them for good. And so my question I leave with you, ladies, is what kind of legacy will you leave behind? I pray that we follow him, that we trust him, that we make those decisions daily according to his will, 
and we seek his will because he wants us to follow him with all that we have and, and surrender all that we have, our children, our husbands, our, um, our future, their future, that we can trust it to him because he is good and he will work all those things for good. And he's not done writing these stories out. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for um, just your goodness, Father, that you are completely in control, that you are not slack, that you you don't slumber, Lord. You're always there. You're always ready to uh, move on our behalf, and and nothing um, baffles you, Father. You see it all. You saw the past, you see the present, and you see the future. And I pray that you would help each of us to not lose heart, that we would continue to follow you, that we would seek you with our whole life, whatever area we're struggling with, that we can trust you, that you are provident. You see it all, and you're doing a work, and you're not finished. So I pray we would surrender those areas of, of uh, bitterness, those areas of loneliness or worry or um, whatever we're struggling, that we would surrender it to you and trust you with it all. We thank you and love you in Jesus' name. Amen.